Oh yeah, we're here with the Mock Stars podcast, and I am here with the Ultimate Maniacs. <laughs> I don't know if this is the vibe. I don't know if this is it. All right, okay, I'm gonna. I'll start over. Hulk- Damn, that was it. That was Hulk Hulkamania. You did it, but uh, now that I hear it, I don't know if it's it. It would have sounded great. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with my great friend, Jordan Garcia. Yo, what up? And our special guest of the evening, the man with the CDH world on his shoulders, Atlas. Hello, everybody. Wow, that was actually great. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I was uh, I was nervous to yeah, start this whole thing. You did thing. a great job. Well, no Chris today, but we do have Atlas, our special guest. Thank you so much for being here, dude. Uh, before we go any further, we got to talk about our link tree. Go hit up our socials on YouTube. Like, follow, subscribe, do all that nonsense, and go to any of your social or your podcasting platforms and give us five stars. You can also join the Discord server. Our community there is growing, and we're always talking on the Brew Buddies channel. Atlas is a... Uh, frequent contributor I think to you that just as well. went level 8 if I just saw yesterday. Something about that <laughs> popped up. Yeah. Let's go! I've never seen that before. I do like the leveling in the, in the Discord. I think that's I, fun. I have no idea how I put that in. You're, you're doing a great job. It happened, though. Uh, today we have one pregame action and two we're talking about Atlas and we're doing a pre- player profile. So we want to talk about uh, the tournament how that all went for you and how you prepare for tournaments. And we have just an array of questions for you. Be prepared because it's going to be chaos. We're we freaking no idea. Yeah, just kidding. Just, right off the top of the dome. It sounds intimidating. It's cash. It's cash. It's cash. I'll give you the best I got. You're going to do great. Uh, but before that, yeah, let's talk about our, our new little update. We talked about Commander's uh, Masters last week, but we were impending two spicy little deets that we got confirmation on. Pretty obvious, but it was sick to see the art nonetheless. That is Deflecting SWAT and Fierce Guardianship. Probably the two big chase cards. Well, there's three big chase cards out of this that entire Jeweled set. Lotus. Jeweled Lotus, Fierce Guardianship, and Deflecting SWAT. That, at least for the as far as like the community or the competitive community. Ma- goes. Yeah, major reprints, like definitely needed. I'm I'm excited for Capture Jing Zhao. I've been waiting for that card to get reprinted for yeah, forever. Yeah, for real though. You know, your first your first suggestion isn't Sun Quan, the Lord of Wu. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> I still have no idea what that means. I mentioned it like before you got here. I was just like, uh, we got to be hyped about that, right? All creatures gain horsemanship. Oh, that's because you control on. gain okay, horsemanship. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm hyped about it. Hasn't ever seen a reprint, and for whatever reason, it was crazy expensive. But it makes all of your creatures unblockable in a limited format, so it's actually going to be dope if you end up drafting it. Yeah, uh, after now seeing the Deflecting Swan and Fierce Guardianship alternate arts, I'm going to be picking up both of those for my deck. Holy God, they look great. Yeah, the, the course of this last week has been exciting because we're seeing this become one of the greatest master sets that I, I mean, I've personally been involved with or, or have seen since starting or at least playing the game or picking the game back up. So we're seeing uh, like commander staples like arachna genesis uh i mean zakama's coming card was back so and, expensive yeah tooth and nail these are all cards that were totally like yeah had like uh crater hoof yeah huge like followings and were expensive at one point were popular strategies from the beginning of the of the format from you know like way back 2013 when they released the first commander decks um, until now even some of these cards still see play even in older decks and older styles and yeah. 
Yeah, Alice, is there anything you're excited about? I know Capture of Jinja. Capture, obviously. Yeah. But personal tutors, I think, a fantastic reprint, too. I play a lot of mono blue decks and um, like low-color decks with blue in them. So personal tutors, really sweet, because that card was too expensive for how niche it was. Yeah, that's very fair. And we haven't seen that they're going to do the whole cycle. I'm not sure if they are. Or like the Sylvan Tutor, uh, I wish they would, but... Uh, Sylvan Tutor, I could see getting reprint just because another P3K card that has limited reprints. Because um, I think it has, has one, doesn't it? Like Spellbook or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's got one reprint. Um, and we're getting another doubling season reprint. Oh, snap. Yay! I completely missed that. Yeah, there's some like just big, juicy, like casual commander bombs here. I think they actually did a really good job analyzing, you know, what people are playing and wanting and uh, needing reprints of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as competitive players, there's no reason for us to ever spend $100 on a doubling season. It's absolutely... <laughs> yeah, we're no, it's not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's insane that it was even close to that. But we also got Zatalpa. Zatalpa's back. Shout out to Zatalpa reprint. Always yep. needed. That's going to literally, that's going to clap cheeks and, and limit it, I swear to <laughs> I do appreciate that you know they're hitting all the niches in Commander though, right? Like we're seeing competitive reprints that we definitely need. We're putting all of our decks, and then we're also seeing like the Arachnogenesis. Like you know, tons of like Timmy Green decks need those cards. Yeah, EDH is a, is primarily a casual format. We play on the competitive end of the spectrum, but yeah. it's good to see that it's getting support to both sides. Totally, yeah. It's very rare. I feel like you can make both camps happy at the same time with yeah. one product, and I think they might actually do it. Outside of the capture, is there anything that you're going to like buy or collect or, you know? I don't even think I'm going to get any of this. I just, I have everything I need or I can proxy what I don't. So um, I don't think there's anything for me, but if for people who are looking to pick up cards or premium versions of like their fierce guardianships and whatnot, that's actually, okay, that's not true. There's probably, I'll probably pick up a foil fierce. I was going to say, okay. I know you're not currently sitting on a foil fierce. That's yeah. No one is. No, <laughs> I've yet. seen, I've seen your deck played multiple times and it is just decked out like absolutely just bling to the nines i just i know that you're gonna like i think we build very similar up. ways as far as like decks and stuff yeah we we seek out the most valuable I versions like shiny things. Of, yeah. yes 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 yeah. yes there's nothing that hits that i don't know it's like a, a rush of adrenaline or dopamine like when you pick up a foil card for absolutely whatever or, reason or seven in a row yeah, yeah your like, hand. i see your city of brass and i every time i'm like ooh, i, I wish i had that i got really fortunate with that one i was able to get it from somebody who was getting rid of a lot of their cards so Ooh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, those are the best treasure, tro like treasure troves to find. Um, well, I know I was just um, praising this uh, set and that nobody was going to be mad at it. So our next topic is why everybody's mad at this set right now. <laughs> Everybody hates this set. And that is because the pre-con decks had a spicy little update. A perfect time to update the product. Wizards of Coast has never done that between sets before. Evan, what do we got? So yesterday, this is actually very, very recent. It was yesterday that Wizards of the Coast did a live stream talking about this product because the community has, after they started uh, spoiling the car, the new cards that are coming on it, the deck lists that are dropping, uh, they said this is not a premium product, though the price for the deck states that otherwise that it is. It is $90 for a pre-con in the Commander Masters Oof. set. Uh, and they are the reprints are lacking. The cards yeah, do not; saying. they don't even add up. Even if you were to like project highly on the nine new cards in the de in the deck, they don't even project to meet that ninety dollars threshold. Yeah, all those slivers. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly due to to mana bases. Like you'd think that since they're reprinting, so we also saw for spoilers the allied uh, bondlands, right? Uh, so 
uh, we're we're not even seeing like the enemy bond lands get printed in these uh, in these precons. Yeah, wasn't which that the most recent great... printing? Like we need older reprints at this point. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been a great opportunity for them to or reprint. God forbid shocks in a precon. For yeah, once. yeah. You, just something to bring the value up. Um, and they failed all, in all totality. So it's just crazy. Where it's like the sliver deck, no sliver hive, like. Any of these like crazy uh, or like Sliver Queen would have been nice. I know that it's a pretty expensive card, but just one of those cards. Something to justify like a like forty percent climb from how they've used to like how they were priced. Yeah, I was excited for the Enchantress deck to drop. Like I am an Enchantress player, so I was expecting honestly for ninety dollars. I was expecting like a Greater Oromancy, just like something like that. It's not even a card that sees competitive play, but it is a card that desperately needs a reprint 100 percent. so, so the last reprint wasn't even meaningful and it was a judge foil and so literally and like yeah, if you're not willing to spend anything. that money it's impossible to get your hands on unless you proxy so um it, it's really this whole pre-con uh kerfuffle is just a, ultimately a failure from wizards of the coast and uh, just a slap in the face to the community for all like it restricts entry level players. It says like if this is you trying to like get your friends to join you, ninety dollars to to walk through the gate. It's hard to sell people on forty dollars to walk yeah. through the gate. So a uh, hundred dollars all in is for a bad deck that you know you're gonna want to yeah. upgrade after you take to the you know LGS for the first time. Well, I'm sure that these decks play fine against each other, but. Unfortunately, when you buy a precon, you're not just buying them to play against each other. You're buying them to jump into the infinite pool of decks that uh, are being hosted at your local or at your LGS. So, like that is the big thing here is uh, not only are you spending ninety dollars for a new player to get into the game, you're also handing them a pile of a hundred cards that they have no idea how they work in conjunction with one another. So, honestly, you got to sort of give them a discount for that. Like forty dollars was the ceiling for me. I, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the Warhammer ones were, what, 70 bucks, something like that? And that was, people were already complaining about that, but it kind of made up for it because they had all the surge foils and a lot of new cards. A lot of new cards. Yeah, so. and good reprints, too, on new there, artworks, too. Artworks, things like that. So, like, you can almost make up for it because of the, the, the new printing and treatments, but, and then also, like, Warhammer. So, if you're a Warhammer fan, you can get into magic. It's an easy yeah. bridge, right? But still, so nope. much. Yeah. This I've, one wasn't easy pitch at all. Yeah, I was going to say, I've like kind of gave up on buying pre-cons. I was really into it, even like as a CDH player. Like we still have like, you know, casual games and stuff like that. And for me, that was the easiest way to like keep a finger in that and like always something fun and new to play. That's not like I don't have to put a ton of effort into buy like singles or, you know, overpower, which I have a tendency to do. But like at a certain point, I stopped because like the decks just aren't hitting. They're not that good. And like the stuff that they put in them is just kind of junk. Well, I think the last really great set of Commander decks... Well, well uh, there are two instances of a great series of Commander decks. The Baldur's Gate ones were really good. The Party Time deck absolutely hit yeah, right 100%. The that was the last one I bought, actually. Yeah, really that enjoyed was, it. That was a great pre-con. And then before that, I think the Commander 2020 stuff really hit. And I know that had the Fierce Guardianship and stuff like that, which helped push the value of those decks. But the Commander, the Face Commander for each of those decks like had creative... Uh, like it was a, an endless creative outlet calamax you know uh stuff like that was just like i, I felt like there was uh as an, an experienced player you could open those decks and take your knowledge and expand on the concepts that were laid before you there are a lot of these pre-cons now that come out that are so restricting like this triggers once per turn or like a lot of the abilities just 
have lead to nowhere, <laughs> you know? So yeah, like, I've had a hard time just pilot piloting them. Yeah. You create a one, one human for doing this one thing that gets you nowhere in the game. Only once per turn. Only once per turn. <laughs> yeah. Simmer <Yeah>. down. <laughs> so yeah, th this precon thing really has me just like shaking my head. I'm like, it's a good thing. I'm not even planning on buying one, mm -hmm. but I do feel for all the people out there who may have been trying to pre-order all four or were expecting uh, greater reprints since the price had determined that it was going to be a premium product. So yeah, I totally like, that's the thing with, I have with these is like for us for a while, it was like, all right, let's buy these cause they're great reprints. We'll be like, we can go buy a bunch of the ones that has fierce guardianship in them. Right. Or like, you know, the ones that had Dockside where that was originally printed. Maybe there's like these little like cash grabs for our collector types, but then that's not really the case anymore. And it's like, well, maybe then this is the only product the only reason to make this product is because it's an intro to the game. And it's like, well, that's completely off the table at $100 now. So I'm like, who is this for? Who is this product for at this point? And I just don't know. Chumps. Yeah. Because <laughs> anybody that's going to spend $100 on it is probably already like an ingrained player and already has plenty of cards and doesn't see any value in this. Yeah. I don't any whales with this product. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No whales are going to be going after. There's no like full surge foil deck. Like there's none of that. Yeah. Ultimate, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm done on it. All right. Well, with that, Alice, it's time for the grilling. Let's freaking talk. Let's do it. Da -na -na, da -na -na. First off, congrats on winning the Surfside Invitational. That was an awesome tournament, and it was the one we just... Uh, oh, hit the button. God, you, you always tell me to hit the button, and I don't remember which one it is. Hey! hey there it is. That's the one. I did it. Okay. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Uh, we, this is the one we just uh, streamed on our Twitch, and then we uploaded the finals. So if you want to go watch Atlas win the whole thing, you can watch that on our YouTube. Um, it was so, so much fun to watch you play and just absolutely crush the, 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 the teams. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. I just want to say I had faith in you the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You love me. One of the, yeah. was, uh, first half of that, that whole event, I was struggling. <laughs> yeah, if you need proof, we have it on video. You can find it on our YouTube. <laughs> Check the VOD, as they say. <laughs> um, yeah, so first question I have for you is, like, you know, I know you're a very social player. You're a very political player. So... Do you do a lot of like online events? And if not, like, how do you, how did you approach this one? No, this was actually my first. Um, first one ever. Yeah. yeah Very cool. Okay. Uh, I'd consider like playing in like the Mox Masters or um, the Chaos tournaments or something like that before. Yeah. But like you said, I, I half the reason that I play the game like Commander uh, as the format of Magic that I choose is because I, I enjoy people and I enjoy going to play with people. And um, the, the whole multiplayer dynamic makes it a lot more interesting to me rather than just like a rock, paper, scissors of what I have found 60 card to come down to. So. Totally. Yeah. And that was a big thing, like going into the tournament that I talked about early on was um, you have such a way with politics and reading body language. I didn't know, like that being one of your greatest strengths, how you would fare throughout the entirety of the tournament. So that was like watching your games, like as you developed, I could see you growing like through the process and being like, ah, this is how I manipulate people. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a learning, learning on the fly for sure. Because being the first one, like you said, I um, body language is a big thing for me. Um, communication is huge in uh, in uh, magic in general. You're like trying to read people in 1v1, but then in commander, you can actually like send uh, send communication to other people and you can can like make deals and you can uh, indicate certain things and so there's a whole new dynamic that gets introduced so learning that like as we go you saw so my record for the event was 2-2 two, two. Um, so, and the, I lost my first two matches but I think a lot of it was because I was getting that getting the feel for how one politics online because it's definitely definitely substantially different than one does right. in person 
And the fact that they were cutting straight to the finals uh, after going 0-2, I'm sure you felt the pressure a little bit to be like, Oh, I didn't yeah. think I was making it. <laughs> I, I, I went 0-2, and then I uh, won my two matches in a row, and I was like, well, I'll stick around and like watch this last match, see how it breaks down, because technically there's still a shot that I could get in there. Um, and then I squeaked in there in fourth seat to the top four cut, but I was not expecting to get there, to be honest. Right, yeah. It, I had no idea how the point system worked out, and then turns out three points for a win, it actually closes up your margins pretty tight, Like because I know that's always like a point of contention. People talk about like five points for a win, one point for a draw, like... Um, the few people feel that a draw should be worth more points. And that was one way that they decided to balance it, making a win worth three and a draw worth one. So yeah, draws had a huge effect on the outcome of who sat at that final table. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if that last game hadn't gone to a draw, then I definitely wouldn't have been sitting there. Yeah. So very interesting snuck in and then took the win. Yeah. Well, all, you do is, all you gotta do is be in the right Somehow. position at the right time. So let's go. Yeah. That's why you don't leave the tournaments early. You check those points. <laughs> Um, so yeah, how did the tournament go for you? What was the vibe? I know you said the uh, first uh, first few were a little rough. Uh, I, in general, the vibe was really great. The, the people that I met online were super cool. Everyone was pretty easygoing. Um, that was the vibe I got. Just every here and everybody chit chat. Yeah, like, it was it was pretty it was pretty low key. Even though it was competitive, it was run at regular rules enforcement, of course. But but everyone who was playing was like a really competitive player and very competent. So um, but everyone was really nice going in. I'm very understanding. I hadn't used spell table before, so. Um, so being patient with me when I like wasn't adjusting my life total on the thing because I'm just so used to writing it. Right. Dang, you really don't play online. I really don't. <laughs> I, I, I'd be like, I'd be like six points down for off forty, and they'd be like, "Sorry, what's your life total? Is it 40? And like, oh, sorry, got to click that down. I'm, I have it right here written down, but I can show you the sheet. But, but um, yeah, it's just you can see me like making my little notes and stuff on my pad off, off the screen on your video. Yeah, it's so funny. Like Evan and I, we like got into spell table right at the jump, like during like peak COVID and stuff like that as a way to keep the group alive and stuff. Um, but yeah, I totally feel you, feel you as like the social thing. I have a really do I have a hard time playing online nowadays. And like, I do want to sign up for all these tournaments, but it's just like such a commitment to like stand in front of my computer the whole time. Yeah. I don't want to like, if I'm going to play, play magic, I want to be around people and feel their energy. I don't want to sit in my chair in my room. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Being at home surrounded, hours. <laughs> surrounded by the snacks that you've, you know, you've, you're just like, I need <laughs> water. I need, mix, I need this. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of like the we talked about how to prepare for a tournament in a previous episode and just talking about like staying uh, hydrated, saying uh, like, I mean, the best thing about um, being in an online tournament is that not being around people, you don't have to worry about the deodorant solution <laughs> or you're very close to your shower. However, you always be worrying about the yeah. deodorant solution. <laughs> you also have all your water and snacks right next. Yeah. To you. Yeah. So you're never really like concerned with like that's uh, do you ever find that like and and in-person tournaments that you end up being hungry by like the third tournament. I know they give lunch breaks, but it's like sometimes you don't get enough and you end up feeling drained, like compared to being prepared at home versus being prepared in a tournament. Like, were you more comfortable just being in your own space? Like, I think it was really different. So when I go to tournaments, I try to go with at least one friend because it just makes me uh, makes me feel more comfortable. And so totally you're relaxed. It's easy. It's easier to like play well and do well. Um, so I think that, but being in being in my own space, I think sort of made up for that. So felt com- pretty comfortable with that. But then, like the whole water and food thing is, um, it was pretty easy. Yeah, I the matches also went really fast um, through Swiss, so I didn't really find myself needing to like get up a whole bunch or anything like that. It would, like maybe grab a gra- grab a glass of water, but um, 
But no, it was pretty pretty straightforward because yeah. more so than in-person tournaments because in-person tournaments you have to worry about the lunch break. Like you said, you don't get enough time necessarily if you don't finish early. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just kind of struggling the rest of the day. Yeah, it did seem to me that the the tournaments moved super smoothly. Is that was your experience? Yeah, the organization was, seemed really good. Um, the players meeting before the first round uh, covered all of the all of the details. The judges were super on it, which was great. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Topher. Like, yeah, yeah the PDX, EDH, uh, CDH community. Uh, they are the ones who organized it, and that you know, like you said, the community of people that were playing were all very competitive, and they probably seemed pretty familiar, seeing as they were all invited. Uh, based on how they've performed at in-person tournaments in the Pacific Northwest in the past, like, I'd say, like, six months or so, right? People who are, yeah, it was the Surfside Invitational. Yeah, so Definitely knew a fair, fair number of them. Yeah, yeah. Did you end up playing with John? Like, uh, I day? did. I did yeah. end up playing with John. Um, he was my my uh, second invitee, so... Um, because we were all allowed a everyone who was invited was allowed a second that they that they brought with them to double it from 12 to 24 um and so john was my my invitee and we actually ended up playing our last match together which was really really fun nice and you stole it from him. you got to beat him i did it was really close he almost got there that's for sure <laughs> yeah he's been hot on that he was playing gym now right yeah yeah he's yeah. hot on that list yeah not anymore not yeah he wants to lo- <laughs> what is he moving towards he's now playing thrasios and dargo wow yeah oh so different. yeah i remember he was talking about that yeah, it's so. a really cool deck yeah. It is a very cool deck. I'm into that one. Um, yeah, so you obviously got the invite. Yeah, uh, yeah everyone in the top four did, actually. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, we all cool. got tickets. So yeah. um, I know that at least myself and um, Tyler, who's the Tibbet player, were both go- planning on going to the, the um, Surfside event down in San Diego. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah, nice. do you know what date that is? It is, what is it? It's August 5th and 6th. August 5th and 6th, coming up soon. Yes. We'll have to reach out to those tournament organizers. See if we can stream <laughs> it. Yeah, see if we can stream that baby. Yeah, what is your uh, what is your preparation for that? Um, I'd be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thing, I've, we've been able to get uh, a hotel room locked away, and I've got my flight booked and everything. So it all, I don't it, it actually came together very way easier than I was expecting it to. It's just one of the things that kind of fell together, which was nice. Um, but prep-wise, I'm just reviewing my list like always <laughs> so my question is do you do like much like review and editing in your deck i know you are pretty like into every your week. list every week okay <laughs> every yeah week. i'm changing cards every week did you let like the the meta or maybe the tournament you're going to influence your choices um sometimes that was definitely um one of the cards that came up for the the invitational tournament was a vendillion click and that was a card that i had added played, before that yeah when you I played it, it it was huge yeah too. it, 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 it turned the course of the game for sure um and that card was definitely informed sort of like by by my assessment of the meta because i was i i like think about these things all the time and um one of the things that occurred to me is that everyone's always tooting for their win cons right and whether it's thassa's oracle um which is going to be a two-card win con that you have to tutor for one of the pieces for at least, usually, right? Um, but it can only go off at sorcery speed because the Oracle has to be cast at sorcery speed. Um, or if it's ad nauseum or, uh, or uh, breach, which is usually goes off by intuition, there's generally at least one instance where a player is tapped out, but you can like see that they're getting ready to go for the win on their turn, or uh, that they just executed like a top deck, a vampiric tutor, top deck tutor, or something like that. And so you can click them in their draw step because it has flash. And so there's at least... Generally speaking, there's at least one point where you'll be able to, from my assessment, that you'd be able to click a person um, who you think's about to win uh, to snap half, or if it's like in the case of Adnaz or something, um, their win, their one card win con to the bottom of their library, and then they have to waste an entire another tutor, and you can tell everyone, hey guys, I just bottomed this card. Um, 
if they tutor again, this is what they're going for. We have to prepare for it. And so it gives the whole table something to focus in on. Yeah, and I, I'm sure with a demonic consultation, it's like that's on the stack. I'll click, I'll take the card, you know, like yeah. something out of your hand and then put it to the bottom. And then you're like, oh, you're forced to name that card or you're going to lose the game. Yeah, or if they, it's hard because if they like put the Thoracle tri- uh, trigger on the stack and then consult, like obviously it's not that great because consult's right. instant speed. But like if you if you think someone's going to go for it, you can click them uh, in draw step after they vamp tutor or whatever. They vamp tutor, they draw the card and then you can click them, see their hand, see what they just tutored for and you can pitch that card, the most impactful card in their hand to the bottom and then they just draw a blank card which statistically is going to be something that uh, is interactive or doesn't help and interaction is generally speaking good for me to have my opponents have yeah the benefit of the table and i think that's the discussion we've been having more often than not is the dance right Mm -hmm. having four players contribute and just because they picked up interaction doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that is meant for you it just helped to keep the game alive absolutely yeah that's awesome so are there any other like preparation or sorry anything for the upcoming tournament that you're just talking about is there any like deck list updates or you think you're just going exactly what you played um so i'm still feeling i'm still feeling mid on click um i i wasn't sure about it going in and i'm still not sure about it now it's overperformed every time i've played it but it's still one of those cards <laughs> where it's like every time i've played it it has won me the game but at the same time it's like it's one of those cards where it feels it doesn't quite feel correct even if it maybe is, so I'm still assessing. Right now I'm testing Praetor's Grasp, which is a card I've been on and off for a long time mm-hmm. for the same reasons as it feels really good and it wins you the game, but then also sometimes it it, it doesn't. <laughs> or it just like it feels mid to have because it's a sorcery and I like playing things at instant speed. So um, right now I'm playing around with Grasp a little bit. Um, there's some other tech in my list with like Stunt Double and things that makes it like the card Grasp more advantageous to have right now than possibly Click. Um, but I'm still not sure about that one. Yeah, because we had a conversation about Stunt Double just being entering the battlefield as any creature and, uh, you know, like with Kenrith and loops and everything like that, being able to reanimate it, coming in as a Hallbreaker Horror potentially, you know, and yeah. you can definitely like warp warp the board state around or what you're doing. Or just your kitten, you can flicker it and it's, it still it doesn't, it can copy something new as it enters because the replacement effect will still go off because right. it's a zero, zero clone when it leaves play and comes back in, so. Yeah. That's actually kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I that's why I'm a big fan of that. I know when we were talking in the car, we were just yeah. sort of like having that conversation. Um, I I really enjoy stunt double. That card yeah. is basically locked from my list now. Since I yeah. think you suggested it, it was it's um, it's been in there, and I don't I don't see it coming out anytime soon. It's overperformed every time. Yeah, it's like that the whole style that you like to play mm-hmm. is ba- off your back foot, like uh, at instant speed. So yep. yeah. Why do I need to cast silence when my opponent can put a silence on the stack and everyone else is going to spend their counter magic first? <laughs> <laughs> Win second or third or... or on top. Yeah, yeah on, or top. on top. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I can't wait to see what Stunt Double does for the deck. Now that's a new motto. Win on top. Win on top, baby. Yep. Um, right, well, right on. What do you think about... Um, can you identify like a West Coast meta that you've seen, especially going into like obviously the Surfside Showdown? It's probably going to be like a quite a conglomerate of you know the players we have to offer here yeah definitely i i haven't played a lot up and down the west coast i've really only played in like oregon washington and idaho um but uh, from those metas from what i've seen tends to be pretty like staxy control heavy people are playing even if they're not playing stacks they're playing stacks pieces like um, light stacks is what we call them and um, like those asymmetrical things like blind obedience that where it's like these just hate on your opponent's strategies so much and so generically that they're just really, really strong. Um, 
so there's there's almost no penalty to including them as long as you have the slot. And so your decks, it's okay to make your deck run a little bit slower because it, that means you get to play better cards if you're playing these other things and you just deploy them early, right? So exactly. Yeah, I mean white. Just having white in your list almost automatically includes Dranith Magistrate. Yep. Yep. Right. So you have to like Dranith Magistrate, Opposition Agent, Ranger uh, Captain. Ranger Captain of Eos is yeah. I I tutor for that that piece a lot as a snacks piece because as long as a Ranger Captain's in play, sure I can crack it to protect my turn, but I'd probably say like seventy percent of the time at least I'm cracking it on other people's turns just like so they can't win or just to have it there saying if you try to win with breach it's not gonna work oh yeah as yeah. the grixis player i can tell you just seeing it on the table ruins all the math in my brain <laughs> it just scrambles everything yeah. yeah and your play style has taught me a lot about like waiting for the right moment too and so like sitting on kenrith you'll just cast kenrith and you'll sit there with like all of your mana open and then someone's like oh i'm gonna go for the win right now and then you're like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> draw a go. Draw Trust go. me. You don't want to do that. Ever had someone cast a consult, let it resolve, and then tell them that they can't empty their library? Because I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched you do it. I watched you do it in Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. It was like this guy who wasn't very experienced, but he knew that Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation would win the game. And so uh, Holebreaker Horror was... Uh, was on the on the battlefield but uh there wasn't anything to cast so the guy couldn't loop and so at, he goes for the win and atlas goes i don't think you want to do that and then he goes you might want to name something like swords to plowshares because if you <laughs> don't the whole breaker horror will win the game as you said let get your opponents to have interaction we, for we, you. we were talking about that in the finals game when you were talking to the tivet player like you literally just walk them through the best possible play that <laughs> benefited you the most and they almost did it <laughs> they almost walked right into it but they wouldn't have got the like because it was the dress down sequence yeah, where it was like yeah. if you dress down on my end step it'll survive your I, turn you can i don't like dress down as a card i don't want my opponents to have that card so <laughs> yeah 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 and it was just like oh he wouldn't have got the tivet trigger either because it's an etb oh you know it's like he would have had to wait till his next turn before he could attack and then get the again then get his voting yeah we've coined it the atlas riz <laughs> <laughs> it's just walking people to their yeah. own demise with just the most silver <laughs> <of time. laughs> well when you win as many tournaments as you do or get to the top four as often as you do it eh, it's kind of justified at this point You've uh, you've earned it. <laughs> Thank you. You got some record. Yeah. All right, so uh, I got a question for you: decks and or techs that you're styling on right now. Uh, what are you into? Like maybe on your own deck, or what are you seeing at tournaments right now that are super cool for you? Um, I think just like just what like play styles or individual. Cards? I would say like like new decks you're seeing popping up, mm-hmm. or like new tech index, i.e., you know, Vendillion click popping up. Like <laughs> that's was- that's not tech. Don't play that card. <laughs> it's, not, it's not generically good. <laughs> like there was a minute where Obnixilis was like perceived to be mm-hmm. the rising star and i haven't seen it I, yet i i think it has potential oh actually i played um i played in an rc uh, crcq commander rcq uh, last weekend and um there was a really really sweet deck uh in there it was um max the daredevil and will the wise from the stranger things secret lair Ooh, oh okay yeah it was uh it was like um stacksless pod that's sans blue right it's sans blue yeah um and it, it like played like Merkwood bats and all these sweet things to like just it, it, it was really cool they didn't play a lot of stacks but it was like a lot of like interaction and just like fast combo type stuff using um using tokens like not even clues but just like tokens and Merkwood bat and then there were their pod lines what? Get all the, it's 
it's cool. That's it's awesome. Really cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sans Blue. Uh, were they? Uh, they had to been playing. Did they play Samwise Kitten? Uh, I didn't. I didn't see it. I. No. I just saw. Um, they were on like the birthing pod stuff to go get Kiki Jiki and all those things. Okay. Kind of like uh, a blood pod. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. It was. It was like it was. They said it was blood pod, but without the stacks. Like. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not playing Timna, so they can't play the stacks. Sure. Yeah. Dang, so that's super cool. Yeah, no card advantage in the command zone. That's just not will cracks well, clues. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there you go. That's it's um, not it, it is <laughs> it is a little bit of a walk. It is a walk for card advantage, but true. you will eventually get. But there. you have an infinite mana outlet in the command zone. That's the trade offs. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is a good point. I mean, that's a big reason why uh, Tim Nathrasios, you know, has been a big mm-hmm. was was mm-hmm. a big deck for a long time, just because infinite mana outlet in the command zone not such a bad thing. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah, for a very brief period, I was into the baby blue farm list for a while. Um, so I love to see like you know the other kids doing uh, getting up to things. Yeah, it was really neat. But mm-hmm. uh, outside of that, I think um, born upon the wind or born upon a wind, that new Lord of the Rings card that gives everything that you can. Yeah. Flash. Oh, you're starting another hour long conversation. I'm excited to see more, more decks and use that. You're card. Fucking, yeah, I'm just, you're just making Jordan the happiest. Kid <laughs> this on is the a whole second episode. Yeah, this is no, this is a whole day at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Necropose is playable again. Yeah, I mean, we were yeah. just jamming lists. Like you were helping me with my list for the coming up for this tournament. Shout out our Discord and the Brew Buddies. Check it out. Um, yeah, we uh, we that's exactly why I kind of reinvigorated. I've always had Necropones around because I've really liked it. It's been a pet card, um, and it's good enough to justify not cutting it quite yet. Uh, but now with the whole Born Upon a Win thing, I'm kind of like very reinvigorated. Actually, focus it significantly more. Um, so yeah, what do you think what about Born Upon a Win? Obviously, it's that win on top strategy you yeah, really love. I'm a big fan of that. I also think that Necropotence is a cool card. I've never personally been hot on it because I like drawing cards for turn and um, restricting your draws to your life total and your end step is is not super advantageous for a control control strategy. Um, but uh, but Shimmerzer was really really strong um, back back when that was the deck to be playing. And so seeing a card that sort of reinvigorates that style, um, that and like Liberator is a better version of Shimmer Mirror now. Um, and yes. seeing those seeing those styles of cards that make Necropotence like an actually a, a viable card again, in my opinion, because there was a there was a while there um, that a lot of the lists it was like a year and a half ago. A lot of lists that were on like the Grixis core were still playing Necropotence and stuff. And back in the days when I did even try to play Turbo. Um, then it was uh, I was cutting that from my my, my decks because I, I didn't like the card and I think that it's once you get stopped one time after your life total goes below five like people will just keep you alive for a dockside count or whatever because um, you can't do anything because you can't draw any cards <laughs> so. right yeah that is very fair uh, and I am definitely guilty of that but with the new list the uh, ad nauseous list I feel like uh, I got I got something we're cooking with something we'll see yeah, how it yeah. does at the tournament seems this sweet. weekend seems sweet um, sweet well I mean speaking of that. Literally a tournament this coming week. That's actually very true. We're going to be in Issaquah. Shout out uh, Laughing Dragons uh, Run It Back, right? Yep, Run It Back tournament where uh, Shalai and Halar will be sitting at the final table. <laughs> I believe it. I believe <laughs> All three of these decks. Let's freaking go. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that. Atlas, are you looking forward to that? Have you, uh, well, uh, how uh, have Same you list? been preparing? For that? <laughs> yeah, uh, Same list as you want to give us a little insight into strategy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to be playing Kenrith like I always oh, do. Oh, snap. Oh, God. I'll put my Curse Totem still in my deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a really good card. I'll keep it there. <laughs> yeah, that is my generic stacks piece that I like to yeah, throw out. There's no penalty for a Grixis list to play that card. Yeah, especially on Tefcom. And I, it, it hoses a lot of the decks that Grixis lists have problems. Problems with I mean, we saw how good Drana and Livala was. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> Stops a ranger captain. Yep. Oh, that's been, that's been a great new addition. I love yep. the card. Um, okay, so moving on to my next topic and my last topic, actually. Um, so TEDH, for lack of a better word, right? Competitive commander, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and maybe we can discuss what you like to call it. Um, we're growing. You know, we have more and more tournaments locally, online, consistently all the time. Bigger and bigger prize pools. Um, people competing for like the biggest, spiciest tournament that they can they can put out and you know hopefully sell out on. Um, I'd love to see it. I mean, that's exactly why we're here, right? We're doing tournament coverage. You're a tournament grinder, I would say. You know, um, how I love to see it, and we need to grow more, right? We need to part oh, of part of the issue I think is that you know it is a casual format that we are that a community is pushing to make more legitimate, um, right? So that is you, the next step in the right. in the growth for this format, yeah. Right. So I think we need you know we need to keep making these banger tournaments. We like maybe even get new coverage like we're working on and like you're working on. And how do we how do we move us forward as as a collective? That's a great question that smarter minds than mine will have to answer. <laughs> but I think in general, um, I think we're on the right path with uh, hosting these these like new tournaments up and down the coast and things like that. Um, Washington and uh, Oregon with the the PDX group uh, have a lot of uh, a lot of really good support. Um, I think as far as developing the scene more, the next step is to like sort of refine the process, which uh, the PDX group's been doing a, a great job of with their, their whole regional circuit, with like their CRCQs that they've been setting up uh, this year. I think that's a fantastic step forward um, towards like quote unquote legitimizing the format, right? Um, but uh, I think I think some of it too has to do with like uh, larger organizations like Eminence um, took a big step by hitting up the the PDX group for their invitationals and then like recruiting people into um, this this more national event and so uh, but I think I think it comes down to how like we the players are perceiving it too so I I used to play a little bit and follow like Super Smash Bros and the terminology is just there right where you have like you have your locals you have your majors then you have your super majors and that's kind of what we've started setting up with CEDH is you have your locals, which are like the LGS games that you play weekly um, for like a tournament pool or whatever, store credit or whatever it happens to be. Um, and then you have your majors, which is like anything where it's there's a buy-in and you're meeting up with like kind of random people and tra- maybe traveling a little bit. And then super majors are the next step is like having those consistently where you have different circuits that feed into those. Yeah, I think the Grand Prix back in the day were like a great example of like how Constructed was moving forward and how they were creating like that, you know, nationwide podium, you know, so yeah. to speak, where yeah. it's like... You get those brackets that funnel into each other. Exactly. Right? One person stands on top. And like now that... I think the Invitational was a great step, I'd say, in being a major, even though it's not necessarily a formally recognized major, yeah. to what would be the Surfside showdown, which would be a super major where it's like, yeah, yeah, like theoretically that's what it is, uh, though it's not formally recognized like that. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, that... We just did it, so right, like that's I, the, I yeah. That's the terminology we use in our group. Is uh, like me and my friends will we'll call like like even the Issaquah thing is something I would personally consider a major, even though it doesn't funnel into anything. It's a major tournament. Like people are paying a, a not insubstantial amount of money to go play in this event. They may or may not get prized from. Yeah, yeah, and I think the growth of the format. You guys had just talked about it on your podcast, Man on the Rocks. If you want to check it out, great little show. The uh, arbitrary nature of the ban list and whether or not it is arbitrary because it does form the metas for like what we uh, how we play the game, right? Absolutely. So, 
um, you know, like how, like, if this is to become more formal, like more recognized as a competitive event, even by Wizards of the Coast, if they dare step into the ring and say, like, yes, this can be competitive, this will be a recognized thing. I hope they don't do that. Well, <laughs> well yeah, because then the ban list becomes something. Yeah, where it's like it's, it just becomes a very different format than what we're all playing and enjoying right now. Because I yeah. think because uh, I talk to like a lot of the modern grinders and legacy grinders and stuff at my LGS and just the the differences in like how a ban list is constructed for a Watsi regulated format is so different. So to where like if we were seeing this format regulated by Watsi for any sort of competitive scene, uh, all the cards that everyone knows and loves to play because they're so strong and competitive would be banned. Soaring would not be legal. Mana Crypt would not be legal. Like right. all of these things that everyone's like this these make the format fun, make it cool. We would basically be playing four player Canlander, which at that point just play Canlander with two extra opponents like right or or oathbreaker even so yeah this is um sort of funny how the game of our own making has come this far right yes. and we're now trying to organize it yeah <laughs> right. massive tournaments right it's a fine balance right like because it is a completely community run effort and we need to like kind of keep that wholesomeness about it and keep that like personality about it. that's why we love this thing i think um but you know, well, we're helping it grow and like growing in absolutely in the right direction. Maybe that is not the right direction, um, or obviously is not the right direction. Um, yeah. So support your support your local TOs. Support your hundred percent. Support your local tournaments. Yeah. yeah support your local yep. tournaments and um, Give them feedback. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, like keep pushing. And for people that like don't necessarily have like what you have at Gabby's, right, where you have like the weekly tournaments and like the larger like uh, quarters quarterlies. Um, you know, start pushing, start talking to your LGSs about getting those run and like just start it with pods and start running pods and games and show them that there is interest because I know there's a ton of interest out there. You guys do a great job at bringing in new players. I think that's like <laughs> the big thing I noticed at Gabby's is you'll be like, there'll be a Cadena deck there, but then it's like totally flexed out and actually has win conditions based on the effect of Cadena herself. Yeah, so it's, it's, like, it's a really good community. It's something that um, a number of us have worked really hard to build um, pre-COVID and then especially after COVID rebuilding because that was really hard but even with like a community as well developed as that like giving feedback and stuff is still really important because so like we have our local events um and we have our quarterly events like you said uh but uh unlike a lot of the other tournaments in the areas like the thing that sets gabby's uh, aside and that makes it hard to access for a lot of players is that they don't allow proxies which well, I think it makes sense for stores to set their own policies for proxies based on local events. If you're going to be bring, trying to bring in a lot of players from other locations um, for large events like the quarterlies, um, which would could be considered a major because you're trying to act as a major portion of the community, um, you that that should allow proxies because they aren't going to be they aren't the ones who are going to be buying your product anyway. So it's not like you'd actually be losing sales. In fact, you'd actually be generating additional revenue by bringing in more players. So and that's feedback that we've been trying to trying to provide and. Um, we're working towards getting access uh, for additional parts of the community via proxies um, at, at the more major tournaments too. So like it's it's always even if they're really well run and there is a well developed community, it's always just really important to provide feedback as long as it's constructive and um, and respectful. Right. God, I'm excited to see where this goes. Totally. I think I think this is gas, and I think we have tons of momentum moving us forward right now. And I really want to shout out as you're talking about Eminence. I think they are a huge player in that. Um, and I really want to shout out Command Tower. In one, it's how good of a, a tournament organizing software it is and how much it's streamlined from pre-Command uh, Tower to post-Command Tower era. 
Um, but in addition to that, it's given us a new key detail that we've really not had any systemized access to, and that's data points. Yes, yes. Um, we've never had that before, and, and if we did, it's you know, it's one off somebody handwriting this and posting on Reddit. But like having a, a a lot of so, it was anecdotal. Yeah, exactly. And having like a source of like consistency because they're they're part of, you know, all of the Mox Masters tournaments. Um they, they're gonna have so many data points that we'll actually be able to pull from. I think that's a huge point in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. All it tells me is that Blue Farm is still the best deck in the meta. <laughs> I don't know. It's really interesting because I was talking with someone on your server actually, and they were like, they're a lot better with data than I am. I'm not too much of a numbers person. Um, but they were talking about like different conversion rates and stuff. And so one of the differences between Blue Farm and a lot of other decks is that it's represented a lot more than other decks. So of course right. it's gonna like it's going to do better on the whole, right? But also it, its conversion rate isn't actually that much higher than other decks that are less represented. So it's like you got to take all that data, right? It's the whole seventy percent, thirty percent thing, is right? Just because just because right. you have thirty percent of something showing up, seventy percent of it wasn't. Yeah, there are a lot of Blue Farm lists out there, and, and not every single one of them can convert. Yeah. Right. Not, um, not to say that Blue Farm isn't the best deck, but... <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like you were trying to undermine my argument. <laughs> no, I, I do agree with you that it is technically the best deck. It's so lame. Uh, but exactly, that is exactly the point that we've never really had that kind of information for, seeing conversion rates, seeing who's bringing what to what tournament that like gives you access to localized metas, right? So if you're saying, um, there's what was the before major? Uh, before a major, it'd be like a local. Well, a local, yeah. right. So you do a local tournament, but then like when you go to majors, you'll be able to see like a whole meta breakdown. Well, who brought what? Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, and that scales obviously to a super major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every time you register an event on Eminence, like that, the title of the event is next to like the deck that it was ran at. So you can actually filter based on different events and like see, you know, like, wow, the representation there, whether it be a local, a major or a super major. And the ones that require decklist submissions are even better because then not just are you seeing like which commanders are showing up but you're seeing like what style of decks because yeah. some commanders like kenrith have multiple ways like you can build it as a turbo list you can build it as a stacks list you can build it as a hermit truth. like there's so many different ways to build it so seeing what people are actually running that they're converting with that's really helpful too yeah the cash cards and limited the previous tournament when they posted their like top 16 i went through and i read every single deck list and i went through every single one and i was just like what are people playing right now that like they're spending what was it 200 dollars admission fee like mm-hmm. what are they actually bringing to the table to compete at the highest level mm-hmm. and so so it was cool to see like the different variants of lists and whatnot. So yeah, I agree. If you include a deck list in with it all, it just goes further to establishing those data points. Which is just even more testimony to how good Command Tower and like the Eminence software is in general. Because that I feel like that because uh, they reached out last year. They were starting to reach out to different places. Um, when they started talking to LGSs about buying their software, and um, that's when things started to get off the ground. And ever since then, it's just been going, 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 and that's done wonders for the community yeah we want to buy their software <laughs> i also want to be sponsored by eminence shout out yeah eminence. yeah hey oh we're the mock stars sponsored mock stars <laughs> you heard it here first from Atlas. tournament winner let's go all right all right alice you got anything else any, any parting words i don't i'm really looking forward awesome. to playing some games with you let's play some freaking magic thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show it's been a blast thank you thank you thank you uh last thing before we get out of here guys make sure to hit up that link tree we got the youtube like subscribe follow and go to any podcasting platform and give us five stars alice you got any plugs for me um, if you haven't, if you're in the Seattle area and you haven't registered for CDH2, the run back, do it. Yeah. And, uh, don't forget to plug the man on the rocks podcast. Yes, go check out man on the rocks. Excellent podcast. I'll put the description below YouTube or podcasting platform. Yes. Go check it out. All right. This has been the my stars podcast. Thanks for listening. Y'all. Bye-bye. Bye.